BBC Sounds. Music, radio, podcasts. Oh, hello. I'm very sorry. I know you're not here for me, but I just wanted to tell you about my new podcast. It's called Classical Fix, and it's basically me, Clemmie Burton-Hill, each week talking to a massive music fan. I mix them a classical playlist. They have a listen, they come in, and we just see where the conversation goes. If you'd like to give classical music a go, but you haven't got a clue where to start, this is where you start. Just go to BBC Sounds and search for Classical Fix to subscribe. Now then, as you were. Hello, I'm Andrew McGregor, presenter of BBC Radio 3's Record Review. Welcome to this podcast edition of Building a Library. And it's a special edition exploring the music of Hungarian composer George Kurtag, who celebrated his 93rd birthday in February this year. Well, Kurtag's compositions are his own personal laboratory for exploring ideas of sound and expression, often on a tiny but intensely communicative scale. And his music has inspired a pretty significant catalogue of recordings. So for building a library, we asked the South Bank's director of music, Gillian Moore, to think about Kurtag's music, to introduce us to the key works and to recommend the finest recordings. Gillian returned to the studio with a small heap of her favourite things and she's about to explain to us what she's picked and why. For this first example, imagine the elderly composer and his wife sitting together on the piano stool, intimately absorbed in playing together as they have for over 70 years. Pieces like this one. Flowers we are. Mere flowers. That was George and Marta Kortak playing Flowers We Are, Mere Flowers, from the Yattacock. Um, I'm lucky enough to have seen them perform these piano duets live. Um, and when you watch it, it's like a kind of embrace on the piano stool because their hands are interlocking two old people who look very similar. Um, and it's like a kind of, ele- this piece is like a kind of elegant game of twister where their arms are interlocking. And in one version, they actually ended up in an embrace on the piano stool. It's and it's, very it's beautiful. Even, I haven't seen them perform this. I know there's a DVD there is, it, so I shall look out for that. But even if you just look at the look at the score, you can see that the notes are you know, just very simple, and he sort of traces dotted lines between them, so you can sort of see the shape of the of, of their arms exactly. around each other. It's beautifully done, and it's a kind of game because the word yatacock, which is this cycle of uh, piano works that it's a long project that he's been working on for many many years. It means games in Hungarian, and it spans the whole range of this highly expressive Kurtagian world, from the quite jokey to the beautiful, like that one, to the deadly serious and intensely expressionistic. And you're going to give us another one from um, this uh, recital. It's on ECM, by the way. Um, and uh, it's not just Kurtag's games, is it? Because um, it's interwoven with Bach. Um, yes, uh, we have um, his own arrangements of uh, of Bach, which is, you know, Kurtag is... Uh, 
loves playing homage to other composers that he uh, admires. And in this case, um, we have a duet, which is uh, Gottes Zeit ist die allerbeste Zeit, which he's arranged for piano duet. Um, again, George and Marta Kurtag. And um, you'll hear this beautiful intimate interlocking even in his Bach arrangements too. that's originally scored for um, viols and recorders. <laughs> the opening of Bach's Cantata 106 is Actus Tragicus, reworked for piano duet of Marta and George Kurtag. I love this recording, Gillian. And uh, the, the, well, I've got this at home, but the DVD, is, yeah. is, it sounds as though that's quite an important way of seeing this. Yeah, because when you watch it on DVD, you see that this is um, not just a straightforward transcription you can actually see it before your eyes the way again the hands are interlocking and it's like sort of hocketing and the lines of the Bach are divided up between the four hands of these two old people it's a very beautiful thing to watch now you're going to take us to um, another of these Yattercock um, games this time it's 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 a homage we'll, we'll be dealing with homages quite a bit I think when we yeah, that's Kurtag, be he's, he's, lots and lots of homages and of in this case um, it's to a Hungarian folk musician called Hamagui Mihai. Um, who's in fact a folk fiddler. Um, but you hear, I think, in this piece um, for piano, um, much more the sound of the cymbalum, that wonderful Hungarian percussion instrument which occurs in, in Kurtag's music. Um, so here is the piano as a cymbalum. <laughs> Thank you. 
piano turned into a symbol of Marta and George Kurtag playing a homage from Yatakok games recorded in Vienna in 1996 for the ECM label. And, and uh, Gillian, have you chosen these because this set makes a really superb introduction to Kurtag's music? Yeah, I think you're, you've got these tiny little, almost like scenes. Each one has a very intense musical world. Each one is a kind of mood piece. Um, and it gives you, it gives you a, an idea of the huge range expressively of Kurtag and also that compression and um, the idea that something uh, can be compressed into sometimes just a few seconds of music, but the feeling is like a kind of homeopathic <laughs> intense concentration of music. And he started them back in the 1970s. Yeah. I, I don't know how many there are. I guess um, we probably, none of us do, because he keeps adding them. Well, so I, the numbers probably changed since the last time. Yeah, I stopped counting. But I think um, this uh, set with George and Marta Kortag plus the Bach on ECM is a really good way to start with this. Now, we can't go far before we hit a rich vein of humour in Kurtak's mm. music. He can be a seriously witty composer, can't he? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the music is deadly serious, but he does have a sense of humour. Um, and I'm going to play uh, another one of the Yatkok now with Thomas Ades performing. Um, and Ades, of course, great composer, but also amazing pianist. Um, he's a big Kurtag fan and he's recorded some of the Yatkok. So this one is a tribute to Debussy, another tribute, The Mad Girl with the Flaxen Hair. That was Thomas Addis uh, playing a mad tribute to Debussy by Kurtag. Um, and on this Thomas Addis disc, we also get some other fun Yatagok, as well as some of the serious ones. Um, here's another couple of witty homages, though. Uh, the second one I, we're going to play is to Tchaikovsky, in which we hear the opening of the piano concerto played with a full forearm. Um, and we start with a tribute to Nancy Sinatra. It's a kind of deconstructed version of These Boots Were Made For Walking. The nearest Kurtag gets to a pop song.
homage to Tchaikovsky. We were singing the big orchestral tune alongside that <laughs> here in the studio. And before it, homage to Nancy Sinatra, more Yattercock played by Thomas Addis. Uh, collapsing any gap between the educational and the adultly expressive and exploratory, says uh, Paul Griffiths in the notes for Tom Addis's piano album. All right, Gillian, we've hung around um, Yattercock, Kurtag's Yattercock, for a little while, and it makes a fine introduction to his music. But um, where does it come from? Take us back to the roots. Yeah, well... Um, Kurtag is, uh, at 93, he's the last survivor of that extraordinary generation of post-war avant-garde composers. Um, Like his contemporary Ligeti, um, he's from Hungary. Um, Unlike Ligeti, he didn't make his life outside of Hungary. Um, After, you know, Ligeti escaped in 1956, Kurtag has spent quite a lot of time in the West, but most of his life he's lived in Hungary. And I think it's... um, instructive to go back to the beginning of um, his creative life um, in Hungary pre-1956 when, like Ligeti, he was very much under the influence of Bartók and Kodai. Um, The music had a folk aspect to it. Um, We can hear that in the next piece we're going to play, which is the um, movement for viola and orchestra. You know, there was a big shift after that, but I think it's instructive to hear that music from the beginning. part of Movement for Viola and Orchestra, which is actually um, part of a viola concerto, which um, Kurtag wrote, but he, he now prefers to hear that movement on his own. Yeah. On its own, I should say, rather than on his own. And that was Kim Kashkashian's performance with the Netherlands Chamber Orchestra, conducted by Peter Ertvers, and the influence of Bartok. So obvious, that sort of oh, romantic yes. Hungarian folk melody. Yeah. And, yeah. It's one of those things you feel like you've known it all your life, because yeah. it has that lilt to it, doesn't and it? And it's much more expansive and just longer than most of Kurtag's subsequent music as well. And so that was... Kurtag writing, well, he's still in his 20s, around 27, I think. It, it makes a fine companion piece for the Bartok Viola Concerta that's also on this uh, ECM recording. 
that's obviously a powerful influence, as Bartok was on, on Ligeti, but who else was on Kurtag's radar in his well, formative years? Well, a really key thing that happened was after the 1956 events, he went to Paris to study for a couple of years. It was there that he met Messiaen. He studied with Mio as well. Um, he also met Stockhausen, who was a big influence on him. And like all of that generation, he worshipped at the shrine of Webern. Um, and the piece that he regarded as his opus one after all of these influences had been taken in um, is a string quartet, his opus one string quartet, which is full of um, it's this sort of glacial brevity, huge contrast, pointillistic, really sonically adventurous, could be influenced by electronic music as well as Webern, very compressed, totally different world from that movement for viola that we've just heard. The opening of Kurtag's Opus 1 string quartet, or at least he thought of it as his Opus 1, from 1959, the recent recording from the Armida Quartet on Avi Music. Uh, it's with fine bedfellows, actually, Hungarians, Bartok and Ligeti. It seems like an obvious thing to do, but it works really well. Now, Gillian, we've heard Kurtag's fondness for tributes and homages already mm-hmm. and the witty side of them mm-hmm. in the Yatakog, but you've picked a more serious one for us to hear next. Yeah, well, death is also a big subject for Kurtag throughout his compositional career, um, homages, memorials, gravestones. Um, and this piece that I'm going to play is from the mid-70s and it's called Grabstein für Stefan. Um, it's a kind of funeral march um, for Stefan Stein, who was the husband of Marianne Stein. Um, when Kurtag was in Paris studying, he had a mental breakdown and his psychoanalyst was Marianne Stein. Um, Stefan was her husband. And here we hear this very beautiful, slow funeral march, which is set up by the repeated strumming of the open strings of a guitar, like a kind of trudging march. And then we get funeral drums and bells. Thank you. 
Funeral bells and drums and that steady beat pulses all the way through this nine-minute work, Grabstein für Stefan, uh, by Kurtag. Um, in the wonderful programme notes to this ECM disc, Paul Griffiths uh, talks about that steady beat as being perhaps the oars of the ferryman Cairon on the River Styx. Um, it's performed there by the guitarist Elliot Simpson and the Asko Schoenberg Ensemble, conducted by Reinbert DeLeo. I was wondering when this recording would come up, because we yeah. had this as a, as a disc of the week on um, Record Review, and it was first released a couple of years ago. Um, three CD set of Kurtag's music. I think we're going to be tipping into it again, aren't we? But uh, it brings up another side of Kurtag's compositions, the way he uses the space around yeah. the bigger ensembles when he writes for them. Yeah, this piece, Grabstein for Stefan, as well as a number of his other, most of his other, in fact, ensemble pieces, um, disperses the orchestra in space. It, it's a, I think it's a sign of Kurtag's sort of questioning of everything, that nothing as certain as a big orchestra on the stage can happen. You have to have the orchestra dispersed around the stage. He was very influenced when he met Stockhausen by hearing Gruppen, Gruppen yes. and that comes into so much of his work. And a major part of the story with the next piece we're going to hear is the performer herself um, and what happens when someone loses their voice. Yeah, indeed. I mean, this is, I think, his most extraordinary dramatic concept, at least for the concert hall. Um, it's called Samuel Beckett, What is the Word? And I will never forget the first time I ever heard this piece. It's It's got a real-life story. It is um, uh, about an actress, um, and she's called Ildiko Moniok, and she lost her voice in a car crash. Um, and Kurtag coached her back to being able to speak through singing. And this piece is about that. It's about teaching someone to be able to... It's, it's about the healing power of music, really. It's about the fact that you... Can, some people can sing even if they can't speak. And the first time I ever heard it, it was such a shock. When I read the programme note, it was such a shock to realise that the performer in front of me was the actual woman that the piece was about. <laughs> No, 
That was Ildiko Moniok herself with the ensemble Antoine Weber and conducted by Claudio Abado. And you can hear the piano giving her the notes and are searching for the words. And you also hear, she's speaking in Hungarian, speaking slash singing in Hungarian, but you also hear a choral group of voices speaking Beckett's text in English. And it's Beckett's last poem, very poignantly, that he wrote um, when he was dying and, and unable himself to find speech. That makes it all the more poignant. So I guess the question is, what then happens when the person who has whose story this is then has to hand this um, piece over to other performers? Well, Edika um, Monioc died, didn't she? So yes. somebody else has to perform exactly. it. Exactly. Uh, you've got a recording of, uh, well, who's this? Well, this is Gary de Vries on the wonderful uh, Reinbart de Leo ECM recording and we're going to take it up at a piece about six at at a point about six minutes into the piece where she's singing the words or speaking the words where where hol hol in hungarian uh, on a kind of heartbeat and then you hear the choir singing again what is the word speaking what is the word she's searching around she's trying to find language it's kind of desperate it's poignant it's intensely moving Part of What is the Word by George Kurtag, and that was Mezzo Harry de Vries with Reinbert de Leo directing the Asko Schoenberg Ensemble on their recent recording. And Gillian, where does this obsession with Samuel Beckett come from? Because he's, he's had it for a long time, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, it's, um, it's a kind of lifelong obsession. He's written several works in addition to this one. Um, I think it's partly uh, that idea, that sort of bare expression that you get in Beckett, which so appeals to Kurtak. He first came across it when he was in Paris in the 1950s and he saw Endgame, uh, fin de partie. Um, and in fact, um, you know, the one thing that was missing for many years, for decades from Kurtag's output is an opera. Um, and he has recently completed an opera um, a, on fin de partie, Endgame, and I went to see it two weeks ago 
in in Amsterdam. Um, and it was quite an extraordinary, dramatic experience. Um, first of all, the idea that someone can complete such a huge piece of work at the age of 92 um, and uh, two hours long. Um, also, you know, the span of it is a, a huge thing as well in Kurtag's outfit because, of course, everything that we've heard so far this morning, um, it is, in fact, typical of, of his output, which is everything's short, intense. Um, and here we have two hours, an expanse of two hours, ten minutes, in fact. It's too new to have a recording of it. We Sadly. Have, I'm sure there will be yeah. um, in the not-too-distant future. But we've been hearing sort of Kurtag at his sort of devastatingly personal and intimate um, yeah. in that last piece um, with the Beckett. Um, does he do abstract? Yeah, indeed. And I, I want to turn now to a pair of pieces which I think really tackle head on the idea of abstract music. They're from the, they're from the late 80s. It's a pair of concerto-like pieces. Um, and again, they're both a homage, in this case, to Beethoven, um, Beethoven wrote uh, two piano sonatas, Opus 27, numbers one and two, um, which he titled Quasi Una Fantasia. Um, so uh, these two pieces, we have Quasi Una Fantasia, which is a kind of piano concerto. And then the second one is a double concerto. And Kurtak has named them just in homage to Beethoven, nothing to do with the order of his own uh, output. He's, he's opus numbered them, opus 20, 27 number, one and two. So here we're going to hear the opening of Quasi Una Fantasia, um, which is the most simple idea possible in music, a descending scale. Beautiful sound of harmonicas at the end of that extract from the opening of Quasi Una Fantasia, played by Tamara Stefanovic um, and the Asko Schoenberg Ensemble. And the other Opus 27 piece is a double concerto. Um, here she's joined by Jean-Guillaume Quieras on the cello, and we hear the opening again, and it's a kind of game between the piano and the cello, joined by the percussion and the orchestra. <laughs> Thank you. 
I'm now going to touch on Kurtag's writing for choir. Um, and this piece is called Songs of Despair and Sorrow. Um, and a friend of Kurtag's is quoted in the liner notes for this ECM disc saying, another heartwarming offering from Kurtag. So slightly um, uh, joking about his propensity to write miserable music. But we've heard there's another side too. This is a setting of six Russian poets, including Akhmatova and Mandelstam and Lermontov. Um, and the, the one that we're going to hear is called Blue Evening. Um, and the poet is Sergei Esyenin. Um, and we think at first we're in happy, folkloristic choir territory. And then the mood suddenly turns black. Um, huge mood swings in this piece, life's ups and downs, and all in over, in just over a minute and a half of music. It's dazzling. Yeah. 
Blue Evening, words from Sergei Essienin. Uh, the Netherlands Radio Choir in Kurtag's Songs of Despair and Sorrow, directed by Reinbert Deleu in that ECM set, The Dark Side of uh, Kurtag's Fascination with Folklore, really, isn't it, Gillian? And I can see we're going to have to keep this three CD set, aren't we? But you've found a more recent Kurtag recording that, well, I've missed this one, and, and it's an, an unexpected juxtaposition of composers, for me at any rate. Yes, I rather fell in love with this disc, um, which has the viola player Hélène Dessin at its centre. Um, and she juxtaposes Kurtag with one of his musical idols, Schumann. And the key thing I think that um, Schumann and Kurtag have in common is this idea of saturating just a few moments in time with a very strong mood, the idea of the mood piece. Um, uh, Signs, Games and Messages is uh, a, a, such a cycle by Kurtag, a bit like the Yatikok, it's gone through his entire output and she plays those on this um, disc. We're going to hear the Perpetuum Mobile um, for, uh, from Science Games and Messages and then she's going to take us straight in to um, Schumann's Romance Number no. 1 where Hélène Dessin is joined by Louis Lorty on the piano. Kurtag meets Schumann, the Hungarian composer's signs, games and messages alongside Schumann's romance number one. A really intelligent <coughs> pairing from viola player Hélène Dessin and pianist Louis Lotti. And it includes Kurtag's direct homage to Schumann as well. Yes, uh, a piece called, uh, rather cryptically, Homage à R. Sch, as in Robert Schumann. Um, it's a trio um, which takes the instrumentation of Schumann's Märchenerzählung and rather unusual combination of clarinet, viola and piano. Um, Schumann's tribute is, of course, even, you know, is splintered and intense and condensed, but full of references to Schumann. And what we're going to hear um, is the first one, the remarkable pirouettes of the Kapellmeister Johannes Kreisler, Kreisler as in Kreisleriana. Mm -hmm. 
I love the title of that. Remarkable pirouettes of the Kapellmeister Johannes Kreisler from George Kurtag's homage to Robert Schumann, played by clarinetist Ronald van Spandock, viola player Hélène Dessin and pianist Nathaniel Gouin. Uh, and that schumann Kurtag tribute is on the Fuga Libera label, released just a couple of years ago. Now, we've heard that Kurtag's music can be concise, concentrated, miniature, fragmentary even. It's not easy. There are sort of simple pieces, but he's challenging to play and he has his disciples, doesn't he? Yeah, um, he's uh, notoriously demanding on performers. So this next CD um, where he gives a personal endorsement of um, the clarinetist Gela Tihanyi, who in fact was the person um, for whom this piece was written, um, the homage to Schumann, um, is really worth taking notice of. Um, it also includes Kurtag's wife, Marta Kurtag, and the violist um, Zoltan Gal. So I'm going to play um, a rather gorgeous segue from the Webernesque third movement, which is just 21 seconds long and is t- entitled I Was a Clarinetist cloud and now the sun is shining um and then we go on to a restless piece of night music called in der nacht very much again a homage to the sort of dark night music side of stormy night music side of schumann from Kurtag's homage to Schumann. That was written for Kurtag's student, clarinetist Gellert Tihanyi, who recorded it with Kurtag's wife, Marta, and viola player Zoltan Gal on the Budapest Music Centre label, BMC. Now, you've picked another Yattercock for us. Yeah, I thought we needed a bit more light and festivity um, after that very serious music. So this is a, a great recording by the Israeli pianist Shai Wozna. Um, and it's another couple of the more humorous Yatakok. The first one's entitled A Hungarian Lesson for Foreigners. And it's just a mere 19 seconds with a mere 10 strikes on the piano. Um, and it goes straight into Fanfare for Judith Maros Wedding, which is another personal dedication piece in which we hear wedding bells. And uh, yeah... Wedding bells and a fanfare. Kefte. Ketchke. Kolop. Kolopal.
Yes, some rather Mazorgskian wedding bells there from Shai Wozner. Um, this is a great disc, and he's, uh, Shai Wozner is joined later by the wonderful violinist Jennifer Coe, who plays some of the signs, games and messages. Um, here we're going to hear the two of them play um, one of the tre pezzi for violin and piano. This is marked Aus der Ferne, from a distance as slowly as possible. And she manages, Jennifer Coe manages to make the violin sound like a strange, weird flute, maybe an ocarino. Stefana from the distance, the last of uh, Kurtag's three pieces for violin and piano, played by Jennifer Coe and Shai Wozner from their album of Janacek, Kurtag and Bartok, called Signs, Games and Messages on the Sedil label. Now, Gillian, there's, I couldn't help noticing as a key Kurtag piece for me at any rate, that's uh, becoming conspicuous by its absence, uh, Kafka fragments. Yeah. Uh, I think we're heading there now, aren't it's we? So you better tell us about it. Yeah. So Kafka fragments is a substantial work in that it's an hour long, but of course, being Kurtag, it's divided into tiny shards of very expressionistic moments taken from the works of Kafka, exploring um, mental illness and indeed uh, Kurtag's own experience of it. Um, I'm going to play uh, the first two numbers uh, with Sakari Oromo and Anukomsky, husband and wife um, team. This piece, although it's, in, it's lengthy in scale, it's in fact only for solo soprano and violinist. Um, we're going to hear um, the first one called The Good March in Step, where we hear the plodding regular step of the violin and then the soprano goes on to sing about others dancing around in the dances of time and she's creating vo- 
vocal roulades around the doggedly marching violin. And the second one is a fleeting vision of a path in autumn with the leaves swirling around and being blown away by the wind. That was the soprano Anno Comse and Sakari Oromo on violin. Um, and this uh, Kafka fragments, it's angstful European high modernism rooted in Freud. Um, and you can hear how the violin hovers around the voice um, like the soul of the, of the singer or like her subconscious even. Um, that, rec- that recording by Sakari Oromo and Anna Comse was made in 1996 and it's crystalline and crazy in all the right ways. Um, but I'm also taken by a more recent recording of Deutschland Radio uh, broadcast on BIS with soprano Karolina Meltzer and the violinist Nurit Stark.
That's a shout of miserable life, isn't it, at the end uh, there. Carolina Meltz at the end of uh, uh, Kurtag's sleep-wake cycle. He just did three more of the Kafka fragments. Uh, The Seamstresses, Seen at the Station, and Sunday the 19th of July, 1910. Um, Whose recording would you pick? The Biss one that we've just heard or the one from Oromo and Comzi on Ondine? I don't want to pick between the two. I just think these are both uh, wonderful performances and... um, that's why I played both of them. Fair enough. Um, other vocal works we don't have time to hear. That ECM yeah. three-disc set um, with Reinbert Deo directing is, is pretty much essential, isn't it? Yes. Playing the uh, Kafka fragments, they're, they're going to have to do the work for other great expressionistic um, vocal works by Kurtag, such as the messages of the late Miss R.V. Trusova and the poems of Janos Kaplinski, and they're all brilliantly performed on mm. Reinbert Deo's ECM disc, as you say. Right, you've kept one recording to the end. Yeah. Why? Um Well, I'm afraid we're back to gravestones. We had a gravestone earlier and we're going to end with one. Um, In 1994, Kurtag answered the call from Claudio Abado to write a piece for the Berlin Philharmonic. So, of course, he came up with a three-movement symphony. And for once, the orchestra was all on one place on the stage. It is not scattered around um, the room. The piece is called Stele, which is the ancient Greek word for gravestone. It's essentially a symphony in three movements and we start with a big, confident, symphonic gesture, a big unison like Beethoven. We think we might get a Beethoven symphony, but very quickly, of course, it's Kurtag. It starts to bleed away and we're very soon in a very much more uncertain world. The opening of Stele by Kurtag with the Berlin Philharmonic and Claudio Abado. Um, the last movement of this uh, three-movement symphony is another death march, a wobbly, shuddering, faltering death march. Um, the kind of shuddering, shaking texture of the orchestra takes us surely into the world of Bartok's Bluebeard's Castle and the Lake of Tears. And the last shudder is cut off. It's it's the last shudder of death, I feel.
the end of Stele, the Greek for gravestone, written by George Kurtag for the conductor and orchestra you heard there, the Berlin Philharmonic conducted by Claudio Abbado, and it's a Kurtag recording Gillian Moore wouldn't be without, which is why it's bringing up the rear of her special Building a Library survey of Kurtag's music. You'll find that final recording on Deutsche Grammophon. Details of Gillian's favourites, including the ECM box of Kurtag's music for ensemble and choir, are on the Record Review website. And you've been listening to a podcast edition of Building a Library from BBC Sounds. Well, next time, Record Review is at Sage Gateshead for Radio 3's Free Thinking Festival of Ideas. And in Building a Library, Ivan Hewitt will compare recordings of Shostakovich's Piano Quintet. You can listen live if you join me, Andrew McGregor, for Record Review every Saturday morning from 9 on BBC Radio 3, on FM Online and on BBC Sounds, where there's much more music, radio and podcasts like this one to discover. This is a download from the BBC... For more information and for terms of use, go to bbc.co.uk slash radio3.